Bonjour, hi. Welcome to episode four of Lay Beer Leaguers. As always, my pleasure to introduce my teammate, my Ray Ferraro to my Gord Millo. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! It was going so well. Mitch Tierney, how are you? Uh, I know you guys can't see it right now, but I am currently wearing a turtleneck for the man uh, we will talk about very shortly on the show, Thomas Blacanis. remember um, you. <laughs> nice vibrato, buddy. Um, and of course, because it's a great fashionable choice and it's snowing right here in Kitchener, Ontario right now. Um, so yeah, looking forward to, to another great show. Yeah, it is a great show we have lined up. Wait, you didn't catch the reference. You are my Ray Ferraro because... You're two guys that say Vegas wrong. You say it Vegas. So <laughs> oh, he does too. I just, I, oh, dude, he's like he's such an Ontarian. There's no question. Yes. I, he's, he's got the deep Canadian accent. You know, he's definitely yeah. saying that the Vegas Golden Knights. So there oh. you go. You're you're my Ray Ferraro. Anyways, we're really really stoked about this episode. Uh, we were joined by Sean McIndoe. He's a columnist for the Athletics. Stay tuned for that. It's a really great conversation. Um, and a little later on in the show, we did a really great little project. Uh, the sad news of Stanley's passing inspired us to make a Hall of Fame uh, Marvel villain and Marvel hero team. So we'll be unveiling those later on in the show. Who'd you get, Mitch? Villains or heroes? I got the villains, which is probably fair. shocker. Shocker. Yeah, you 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 really are the hero, the 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 villain in this <laughs> duo here. Last bit of news: we are still growing mustaches. It's terrible. It's. I, my roommates have been nice and have been saying, oh, wow, it's really coming in. It's like a shadow. It's terrible. Yeah, I was saying uh, I was saying earlier in the week that, that for, for some people, Movember's got it wrong, and it should actually just be like a set amount of money that your family members will pay uh, to get you to shave a mustache versus like, <laughs> so like, I don't know, I'd set like an $1,000 goal, and I'm, I won't shave this creeper stash until all my family members will, will put up the money, so... I feel like that's a that's a good way to go, but um, yeah, we we'll, we'll be raising money the traditional way. You actually had a good idea, man, where you said that you shouldn't be allowed to shave it off until you reach your goal, which yeah. is really good incentive to to really get people to get out and fundraise because <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. actually, so I was <laughs> I was explaining to you earlier that there's a uh, a friend of mine in Montreal who is uh, really going heavy into november this year and he actually shaved the letters mo in his chest and he's photoshopping all these ridiculous pictures of himself so that that he set the bar for november fundraising this year and my our creeper stashes are really uh in the dust where we've been left in the dust but anyhow if you feel like uh donating to a good cause you can donate to our team that's uh movember.com and you search for lay beer leaguers you can donate to whichever creeper stash you find more creepy there you go. All right, that's that's enough about creepers. Let's uh, move on to the terrible, terrible news. Let's follow up terrible facial hair with the best facial hair in the history of the NHL, the goatee of the sweet, sweet Thomas Plikanek. I will remember <laughs> you, man. We're so I was to get at... people to pay us to stop singing on the podcast. <laughs> hey, man, maybe we'll get some ads. That's maybe a great strategy. <laughs> Um, so I was I was lucky enough I was at the uh, the Vegas game, and they showed a little uh, tribute to Pacioretty before the puck drop and uh, unbelievable uh, response by the fans very very warm. But I think Placanic's, uh TV timeout uh, appearance on the jumbotron was actually louder than Pacioretty's was. Uh, it's just 
really, really bizarre to have a Canadiens team without number 14. Since you and I have been watching the Canadiens, we've had Thomas Plekanec at center, who's been one of the more underrated two-way centers in the league. And unfortunately, he couldn't do it with Montreal. But I mean, a hell of a career from from the from the Czech, wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. And it's uh, there's been kind of some some uh, a bit weird um, and unexpected uh, like leaves from the team recently in in the sense that Placanis kind of just all of a sudden is is on waivers and then re- and then retires from the NHL and uh, the same thing with Andre Markov he just didn't come back but uh, having players like that that will only suit up for uh, obviously there was that uh, short time when he was a spy on the Toronto Maple Leafs but um, <laughs> the, the, you know wanting to retire Montreal Canadiens and and once they once it was clear that they didn't have a uh, future in Montreal leaving like that it's just such incredible loyalty and uh, you know I'll remember a lot of things about Thomas Placanis uh, we we had something called the the random plex points that we would uh, we would look out because he just <laughs> he just tended to score such random goals and such like, behind incre- the net yeah incredibly crafty that. like the, like he, he scored so many of them that like they had to have been he had to have been trying them but they were just so like they seemed so random but he put up so many of them a season that it was great and the other thing i'll always remember about him is anytime they played boston i don't know what he said uh in his in his native tongue to david Krejci, david but, Krejci oh my goodness <laughs> just get under his skin and david Krejci would take so many big penalties in those games and uh it, it was always a fantastic you know there's always so many sideshows to watch uh when Montreal plays Boston, but that was one of my favorite ones. Yeah, definitely one of the best. Uh, it's sad that when people think Placanic, the thing they think of probably either first or one of the first things they think of is his quote where he said he played like a little girl because <laughs> it was just like a really honest moment from a player who was frustrated. But yeah. uh, he was such a workhorse with the Canadians over the years. He took all the tough assignments. He put up 60 and 70 points when he was in his prime playing with Kovalev and Kostitsin. Uh I was young, but the play that was probably the biggest in Placanis' career with Montreal was the 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 playoff winner scored against Washington in the 2010 run. He oh, scored yeah. that slap shot Overtime. from like inside the oh, blue line, baby. and we lost. It. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was awesome. And dude, talk about random plex points. The most random happened in this thousandth game, where he scored from what behind the goal line uh, <laughs> to to mark the occasion. So I mean, just like through and through just a real consistent player you knew what you were going to get even this year when the offense dried up you knew he was going to be a responsible defensive center so it, it is weird to see him on the roster but like you said i mean just such uh s- such loyalty to the canadians uh to 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 leave money on the table and 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 retire you know in november so yeah, it's going to be weird to go on without him, but uh, it's really officially a new era in Montreal Canadiens hockey. I mean, the core of that like 2000s team, which was Markov, Placanic, and later Pacioretty and Subban, are are all gone. I mean, Carey Price is really the only core piece left that the Canadians had. So, I mean, hopefully uh, the Canadians can be a little more successful than they were in that period, but it's still sad to see such a legendary uh go T go and of course the turtleneck oh no for sure and I think that uh you know even just the way he went and in the way that he said he couldn't block young players anymore I mean I think I think it does make sense I think we've seen uh 
Pekka step up and be a pretty solid fourth line center this year. Mm-hmm. And obviously Jake Evans in in AHL Laval is uh, having a good good run of things lately and could be someone for the future. And I mean, if we're talking about future Suzuki mm, and Palin Suzuki coming up, uh, Suzuki has been killing it in junior. Oh, I'm incredibly yeah. excited to have him as a hab. Uh, basically by next year i think it's it's pretty clear but yeah there's a lot of players coming up so it definitely wouldn't have been past this year for pecanis but it, it looks like um it, there just wasn't the spot for him and and you know we're obviously thankful for him for not making a fuss and uh and heading out and it sounds like he's gonna get to spend more time with his kids now so um that's that's awesome for him yeah we just got to get him to talk to carl alsner <laughs> <laughs> so actually another guy that I was really griping on uh, the last few weeks, but kudos to him. He proved me wrong is Andrew Shaw. Uh, three goals in his last two games since he was moved up to the Domi and drew in line. Um, but more than that, I found like he's skating a lot better. Uh, he's taking uh, fewer penalties. Uh, he's better in the four check and more aggressive, but still taking less penalties. So I've been very impressed with his play and I hope he can keep it up. And I read penalties. <laughs> Yeah, and take less penalties. Man, I couldn't say it enough because he was good for a penalty a game when he came back. It was yeah. brutal. It was just that you can't you can't afford to do that as a role player. I mean, the, there's just too much depth in organizations now. I mean, Montreal's got players by, uh, chomping at the bit and Nikita Sherback and, uh, like you said, Jake Evans. Um, but, again, kudos to him, and I just hope the offense uh, continues going. When... I have to say, people did call me out saying, no, no, he is a good four checker and, you know, give him some time. And I was going to say The Athletic uh, put out an interesting article that said that uh, his knee injury may have played a part in that. I believe it was Arpen Basu who was writing on it. And he said that it takes a few games to 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 come back from any injury, but especially knees because uh, you don't feel right on the ice. But he said he looks a lot better skating and uh, maybe that has a part to do with why he's taking less penalties. Yeah, he's a bit of a chameleon, is Andrew Shaw, in the sense that he can kind of play up to the standards of his line mates. We obviously saw this in Chicago when he played on a lot of very good teams with very good players and was able to to be a consistent producer here. And now that he's playing with incredibly skilled players like Jonathan Drouin, Max Domi, he's able to to play up to their level as well. And it it makes sense why he's you know doing so well on that line. I think. Uh, you know, he adds that kind of physical element, the the Brendan Gallagher type play where he can get to the front of the net, cause problems for those guys. And those guys have plenty of skill. They can do a lot of the things by themselves. But um, having that guy to, to bang in their rebounds and, and dig pucks out for them is, is so important. And uh, obviously before they had Charles Houdon on that line. And as much as I, I admittedly love Charles, uh, <laughs> he, he was just, I mean, he was kind of redundant on that line. He was another skilled player who could move the puck and, and shoot. And sometimes you need... Um, players with a different skill set on on the line and um, now they have uh, now they have Andrew Shaw and it seems to be working great right but Shaw is another one of those guys who's basically good for a penalty a game these days it drives me crazy so he has been more effective on the fourth line but I I just hope that uh, the team can stay out of the penalty box because their special teams just haven't been good enough to 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 be taking the, the that kind of penalties and the other reason they got to stay out of the box is Carey Price has I hate to say it, not been Carey Price this year. You know, in seasons past, he'd be able to bail them out on the penalty kill uh, or, or when the team had an off night defensively, be there to shut the door and keep it a 2-1 game. But 
as much as I hate to admit it, because you know I'm a goalie and I'm such a price mm-hmm. apologist, he really. Uh, it, I, I'm not alarmed yet, but you can't deny that he hasn't been at his best. Uh, I don't know. Do you have anything to say on that? Yeah, I've always been a, a bit of a price apologist as well. Obviously, it's it's pretty been pretty easy to be a price apologist over the years uh, with with the teams he's had in front of him. But uh, consider me at least a little bit shooketh with the way he's been. Uh, been playing no, so far this season not shooketh <laughs> oh shooketh um i mean everyone the, the stat that everyone kind of brings up other than the the goals against average which has no place on this podcast uh is the <laughs> 892 save percentage um but uh even some some other numbers that are kind of concerning as well as his high danger save percentage which is kind of what he's been counted on is to make those big saves for montreal in the past and he's been uh 73 and that's fifth worst in the NHL among goalies that have played 200 minutes um and uh, I mean a lot a lot of people of course blame it on on the defense as well and I think that's been part of it he's been it's been kind of a shifting group in front of him and um there is a lot of uh, you've you've seen this season a lot of communication issues between uh between the group and, and the goalie but at the same time Montreal's uh been kind of uh you know at least a middling team in terms of um the the high danger scoring chances they've allowed and and even the expected goals against they've allowed this season so there's actually without Weber been not all that bad defensively for Montreal so uh reason to be a little bit concerned but if if we're talking about positives there's the fact that you know they've they've given him plenty of time here to to play his way out of it and um they've done their part to to kind of score enough goals that Montreal is still winning games, and the, the you know this would be a much bigger issue if if Montreal was was losing games um, and still scoring at at a reasonable rate at the moment. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you said they're giving him the time to you know figure out what's going on upstairs, as he put it. But you know, as a goalie, I'm a little more sensitive to this. I really hate when a defensively porous team hangs their goalie at to dry and the goalie is the one who's getting blamed there's no question that price has not been up to his standards but by the same token i don't think that he's been as bad as the fan base and as the like dog whistle media in montreal would have you believe <laughs> because everyone would agree that anti niemi's been very good this year he's been able to shut the door and get the canadians wins but he's only at an 894 safe percentage so i think i don't think the stats tell the whole truth in terms of how the Montreal Canadiens goalies are playing because the team's given a lot of high danger and unstoppable chances I mean in the two games that really freaked uh, fans out uh, from Carey Price's play was Buffalo and New York Rangers and I only out of I think it was 11 or 12 goals I probably only counted three that uh, Price would have wanted back the OT winner was a particularly bad look on the wrist line and slap shot but it just it really it really sticks in my craw when goalies are hung out to dry and you know tons of goals from two on ones that eichel set play off the face off was incredible the one to uh to jeff skinner yeah and um he just, he, yeah former kitchener ranger for you but uh, no it just really it, it, it really bugs me because i i don't think price has been terrible he hasn't been you know what we know he's capable of playing but i think it may be if it was another market we might uh, he might not feel as pressured given his level of play in the season so like you said 
We just got to hope that he works through it. Anthony Emmy's getting the start tonight in Edmonton. You have to assume Carey Price will play in Vancouver because he always does and he always plays well. So that would be a good test in uh, his native BC against the hot kids and uh, Peterson and, and Brock Besser. So. Hot kids. <laughs> man, they are hot kids, man. It just seems like every night they're in the highlights. It's crazy. Anyways, uh, but I don't want to talk about any more hot kids. Uh, why don't we throw to our interview? <laughs> why don't we throw to our interview now? Sean McIndoe, who's going to talk uh, everything hockey and nothing hot kids. Before we get into the interview, as much as we don't like to acknowledge the presence of other podcasts, Puck Talks is hosting a live taping of the Leaf Report on November 29th at the Rivoli in Toronto. Join host James Myrtle and Jonas Siegel for something you won't hear a lot about on this podcast, which is a lot of Leafs talk. Um, unless it's painfully necessary. There will be a Q&A, and the event is free for subscribers to The Athletic. The doors will open at 6 p.m., and you can head to homestand.ca slash events for tickets. Get those tickets. So uh, we're really excited today. Uh, biggest guest by far, Sean McIndoe, joins us now from The Athletic. Sean, thanks for taking the time, man. Hey, thanks for having me. So, actually, do you prefer Mr. McIndoe or Mr. Goes Brown? <laughs> no, Mr. Goes Brown is my father. You can just <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll drop the drop the pretenses. Um, so I've been a big fan of your blog for a long time now. Uh, do I'm sure you get this question all the time, but do you mind explaining to us where Down Goes Brown comes from and kind of what led you to starting the column and now where you are today writing for the Athletic? Sure. Yeah. The the, the background here is I, I always loved. Uh, sports writing. Even as a kid, I wanted to be a sports writer when I grew up. Uh, I went to uh, university. I did a journalism degree. Realized I didn't really love the, the journalism part all that much. Uh, it, so I ended up, uh, my, my career took me in a different direction. I, I didn't go down a, a reporting or a journalism road. Uh, but even as I was doing other things, I always loved the writing part. And so when about 10 years ago, blogs suddenly became a thing and suddenly it seemed like everybody had a blog and you could set one up really easily uh, I kind of thought oh this is perfect I can th- this can be an outlet for for me to do some writing even if there's only 10 people reading it this would be fun uh, and so <laughs> I I went to open up a, a to, to, to get a blog started and I sat there and I stared at the field that said blog name and I stared at it and I stared at it and I couldn't figure out what I wanted to call this thing and then the 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 name down goes brown popped into my mind and it, it is a a if you're a Leafs fan it's a famous call from joe bowen now i guess i should say hall of famer joe bowen as of as of this week uh that he called uh, way back in 1992 sylvan lefebvre and rob brown got in a fight center ice maple leaf gardens december game 1992 they square off sylvan lefebvre uh, tkos him and joe bowen he starts yelling, down goes Brown, down goes Brown, a playoff, the famous down goes Fraser <laughs> call. And it's just the kind of thing where, like I said, it, it, this was a regular season game in December. It wasn't a big, important moment, but it's just one of those things that just kind of stuck with a certain type of fan. And, and even you know, 15 years later, when I was sitting down to, to, to start the blog, I, I this popped into my head. I thought, that's great. It's easy to remember. It's easy to spell. Uh, it abbreviates nicely. This will be perfect. And I typed it in, and and what ended up happening, when, and I didn't expect this, and I didn't uh, I didn't think about this when I was coming up with the name, was I suddenly had all of these Leaf fans who saw it and went, you know what? 
I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're writing, but I'm in. Because if you <laughs> are remembering these calls, for, I thought I was the only one who remembered that. If, if you're going to name your site after this, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to check it out. And, and that was sort of what uh, helped me get started. And it was also part of what helped clue me into this fact that, hey, there's all these little obscure things and, and weird and ultimately minor things that are kind of kicking around in every hockey fan's mind. Uh, and they're kicking around in some other fans' mind too. And, and if you can put those out there, uh, suddenly there's this connection and, and two fans who maybe don't really have anything else in common can go, yes, we both remember that. We both still think of that to this day. Uh, and that's, that's where a conversation starts. And, and you know, from there you can, uh, you can go on and have a lot of fun with them. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I feel like the gold calls are associated with such a strong emotional factor that it's something that two hockey fans can totally bond over. So that's an awesome backstory. I love it. Um, so in terms of what goes into your column, if anyone who hasn't read it, you should really check it out. It's awesome. Uh, top five teams and bottom five teams are ranked every week. And Sean, can you get us into your uh, mind? What exactly goes into those rankings? How do you come up with those? <laughs> My, uh, yeah, these days my mind is just me kind of rolling my eyes and kicking myself for agreeing <laughs> to do this because I thought, you know, lots of places do power rankings and it a lot of times it's ridiculous because you end up, you know, you, you pick, you put some team 17th and some fan gets mad at you because they think they should be 14th and ultimately you're like, hey, what's the difference? And you're, you're talking to middle of the pack team. So I, I've been doing this sort of column for a little while now where it's it's my power rankings but i just do top five and bottom five and that's it everything else is in the middle in in today's nhl it, you know it, the the difference between the sixth team and the 25th is pretty minor anyway so I, I do top five and bottom five and and in theory i'm talking about the best of the best and the worst of the worst now unfortunately this year even giving myself that that easy criteria just top and bottom five I'm still I'm still struggling because it feels like this year uh, in particular there's two really good teams that's Nashville and Tampa yeah. and then it's just a few teams that could be in top five absolutely could be or maybe they're not I mean every single week I watch the Leafs every night and I go oh these guys don't look that good they're not going to be in the top five this week and every week I end up putting them third because there's just everybody else doesn't look so good either and <laughs> the bottom of the league it's it's you know I'm not even sure right now I mean you the, the Kings, I guess, are are, are terrible. The, the Senators, in theory, are terrible, even though the record isn't that bad. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and then from there on, there's all these teams that maybe could be bottom five and maybe aren't. And so, um, even even though I kind of tried to make it as easy for myself as possible, uh, I'm I'm still in this situation where I'm I'm sort of cycling teams in and out, trying to figure out who goes where and get yelled mm-hmm. at by by fans who think their team should be in the top five, and even though they're not. And getting yelled at by fans who think their team should be in the bottom five, so they're not. You know, and that's they, they say, What are you talking? About? What do you mean we're not one of the five worst teams? We got to be worse <laughs> than that. Come on, help us out. So it's uh, it's it's it makes for a fun weekend uh, every weekend putting the list together uh, because uh, I don't know. I, I I hope things clear up and I hope the pack kind of separates a bit and we we get maybe uh, just for my own sake uh, a little more separation. But uh, right now it's. Uh, yeah, it's it's tougher than it was supposed to be. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and speaking of the parity in the NHL, kind of the some some quick starts from a couple teams have have very much complicated the situation, as you said. Um, we have a bit of a bone to pick with you. We're both Canadian fans, and you kind of had the Habs as the the featured team in your your column this week on on teams that are Ooh. sort of the Ottawa Senators of 
of last season um, in terms of teams that um, could you know have started out very well and, and might it might not last, um, which in some ways is fair enough. What's uh, what do you see about the Habs that, that potentially could see this uh, this early run that uh, again uh, no Habs fan would have expected kind of uh, go south in a hurry. Yeah, well, and, and and let's let's be clear because the the, the piece you're referring to what that uh, that I had this week, the idea here was that literally one year ago today, the Ottawa Senators had uh, they had just come back from their their Europe trip. They had just swept the Colorado Avalanche. They had Matt Duchesne in the lineup. They were sitting in a playoff spot. Everything was going good for the Ottawa Senators, and of course, as we now know. It was about to fall off a cliff. They lost their next seven in a row. All the off-ice stuff, all the drama. I mean, we, we could just go down the list and, and to the point where the the Senators have become almost a, a punchline, almost the, the poster child for uh, a terrible NHL team. But literally one year ago right now, everything was going great. And so I, what I said is I want to look at other teams in the league where that are kind of in that situation right now where things are going well they're in the playoffs or or at least very close to it doing better than expected and there's lots of optimism and lots of lots of people feeling good are there any of them that maybe could be this year's senators and so i picked five teams not necessarily five teams i thought were the most likely to go off the cliff but the five that were kind of most similar to where ottawa was was last year and montreal was one of those teams and and in fact in looking at it it, to, to be honest even though montreal maybe outside of Vancouver is, is probably the, the team that's the biggest surprise right now as far as teams that are still uh, still still doing relatively well. Uh, I got to say there wasn't a ton of evidence or a ton of red flags, maybe I might say, that were pointing in the direction that Montreal is not for real. I, you know, I, I think on a, on, in terms of talent, are they going to contend for first place in the Atlantic? No, I, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, as, as we're talking right now, they've dropped down to a wild card. I think that's probably more realistic. But, uh, you know, there, there are certain signs that we know now to look at uh, when you're looking for a team that maybe isn't for real, that maybe is about to, to correct down and, uh, and get a lot worse. Um, certain types of stats, or to, you know, even, even something as simple as are, are they winning a ton of overtime and shootouts and, and those sorts of games. You don't really see a lot of that with Montreal. And, and in fact, what you also don't see with Montreal that you see with a lot of teams is, is that red-hot goaltending where you say, well, once the goalie cools off, you're going to be in trouble. In fact, it's kind of the opposite. Carey Price hasn't been very good. And that would scare me a lot for the long term if I was a, a Canadiens fan. But as far as right now, as far as this season, it's, it's actually not a bad sign because if he gets better, you figure the team will be doing even better. So I, I came away, even though I included the Canadians as one of those five teams that I, that I was potentially worried about, I actually came away feeling relatively confident that, you know what, that this might just be one of those cases where a team is better than we all thought they were going to be. And uh, they, when you look at their results, uh, you know, winning a little bit more than they're losing, maybe that's about right, and, and maybe that's about where this team ends up. And it's definitely made the the Atlantic division very interesting because I think going into the season, most of us thought that it would kind of be a three-headed monster with Boston and Tampa and Toronto being those three yeah. big teams. But now, all of a sudden, Montreal and Buffalo look like they could be uh, at least solid teams as well. And all of a sudden, that's, that's one of the tightest divisions uh, in, in the NHL. What are your thoughts on uh, kind of how that's played out so far this year? Yeah, I mean, in, in a sense, it's it's been a surprise and, and maybe it if you're a fan, a pleasant surprise because it, uh, you know, I think we all sort of figured this was going to be a pretty, 
pretty top-heavy division, three good teams, four bad teams, and then we weren't really sure where the Panthers were going to slot in. And it's uh, it, it's it's certainly been a little bit more unpredictable, even though we do have those three teams at the top of the division right now in terms of Tampa, Boston, Toronto, and in some order. Uh, yeah, like you say, Montreal's better. Buffalo was looking like finally they're they're starting to make that climb. Um, you know, even even Ottawa and Detroit have been record-wise, I would say, better than than maybe we thought they were going to be. You know, Detroit's Detroit's actually on a, a bit of a legitimate hot streak, and and Florida is still the team that we can't figure out. Although we now we can't figure out why they're why they're not winning more. So they've uh, you know they're, they're they're sort of the question mark. Um, but that's good. You know, it's, it, 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 it wasn't shaping up to be necessarily a very interesting division. I, I think a lot of us were thinking that this was going to be something where by December we were going to be looking at three teams and saying, well, which one's going to win and which two are going to have to play each other in the first round, uh, kind of like we ended up doing last year. And instead it looks like uh, at least uh, Montreal and Buffalo might be able to hang around and, and make this a little more interesting. Yeah, no, it just speaks to the parity in the league. Uh, Sean, I'm actually I'm curious to get your take on Willie Nylander. It's kind of the news du jour right now, and I know there's no new information, but since you follow the Leafs so much, uh, do you think that he's holding out, asking for too much, or would it be a mistake to to trade Nylander? I'm assuming you've you've put some put put some thought into this one. Yeah, I mean, we it's 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 hard to say whether he's asking too much. We don't know what he's asking. We you know we we don't know. Uh, how far apart the two sides are, what those offers are, who's maybe willing to bend and who isn't. Uh, it certainly sounds like he is driving a hard bargain. I know a lot of people are, are certain point at his dad and, and, and point out that Michael Nylander mm-hmm. uh, had a few of these situations during during his NHL career and, and bounced around quite a bit. And if he's uh, sort of being a voice of influence, then, then maybe that's a bad sign. Uh, you know, ultimately, we're, we're, this has gone much longer than anybody thought it would and it's gone much longer than than any other similar situation has with the exception of Kyle Turris Mm -hmm. Uh, but we've still got some time Uh, there is we're still a couple of weeks away uh, from the debt from that looming December 1st deadline if he hasn't signed by then he can't play at all Uh, so I, I do still feel like there is room here for an agreement to be made the question I think is uh, okay, you know, clearly worst case scenario is that nothing happens by December 1st, and that means he sits out. Everybody loses if that happens. The Leafs lose a really good player in a year where they thought they were going to be cup contenders. Uh, he's going to lose a, a, a significant amount of salary for this year uh, and, and that, that he's not going to make up. Uh, he has to go, if, if that were to happen, he has to go into next year, and he's in the same situation. He still doesn't have his arbitration rights. He still needs to uh, to, to make a deal. It, it's not like his value is going to go up by sitting out for an entire year. Uh, so both sides lose if that happens. I still feel like that is the least likely scenario. Could a trade happen? Yes, it could, but uh, I, I still feel like that's less likely than people think, if only because in order to trade him, you've got to find a team that's willing to pay whatever it is that, that he wants to get. No team is going to trade for him and then sit down to start negotiations and find out, oh, whoops, we can't sign him, and now we're the ones who are going to lose him. It, it, it's, you're only going to be able to trade him if he's got a deal pretty much in his back pocket, which means you've got to find someone who's willing to pay him this much, and that's going to be tough, and it's going to be tough to find a team willing to pay that much and 
give up what the Leafs would consider fair value. So, uh, you know, that, that looks tough. I still think the most likely scenario here is he gets signed. And I think what is, is changing is maybe the length of time he's going to sign for. I, I think a month ago we all would have said they're, they're just going to figure out a way to get a six or seven or an eight-year deal done. Maybe now it's looking more like a bridge deal. Maybe it's even, in an extreme case, looking like a one-year deal, where if you're the Leafs, remember, the Leafs got a ton of cap room this year and this year only. It gets real tight next year. But maybe they go to him and say, okay, fine. What, do you, what is it going to take for one year, get you in the lineup, let's have a playoff run with you, and then we go through the whole thing again next year and, and just kind of kick the can down the road? Uh, that's far from an ideal situation, but I do think it's better than, than letting him just sit out the entire year just to prove a point or, or just to... Uh, you know, just to, just to push your bargaining position. I, I think whether you're a player trying to maximize your career earnings or you're a young, talented hockey team trying to win a Stanley Cup, that window is, is not very long, and, and, and I don't think throwing away a year of it makes much sense for anybody. And, Sean, you're, you're based out of Ottawa. Um, well, what's kind of the temperature there like right now for, for the team? And um, is, is there kind of a general concern because obviously – uh, ticket sales have been dropping significantly, and uh, I don't think anyone expected the team to be all that great this season. Um, but <laughs> it seems like there's a there's a new scandal every week, and um, yeah, it's just it's just been really a really rough time for for the Senators this year. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, the temperature is is not great. Uh, it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, the the team probably in, on the ice has been a little bit better than than people thought they would. And not just in terms of the wins and losses, but in terms of it, this is one of those years where if you know a team's not going to be good and you're rebuilding, you don't really care about wins and losses. You want to see the development of the young players. You you you, you know, winning games because a couple of third-line veterans have big years and then they're going to go somewhere else next year, that doesn't really help you all that much. The good news in Ottawa is you look at the young players, uh, you know, you look at Thomas Shabbat, you look at some of the other guys, they're all playing well. They're they're all meeting or exceeding expectations, and that's the important thing uh, in terms of the in, in terms of the long term health of this team. Uh, as far as the off ice stuff, you know, it's it's weird. The reaction to the whole Uber thing, I think there was a lot of sympathy actually for the players, and, and not just in Ottawa, but but you know, really around the league. There there were a yeah. lot of people who looked at that and said, you know what, we've all had conversations like that. If if you know, if if we had a conversation we thought was private and somebody went through it up on YouTube, that wouldn't make a, too many of us look all that good. And 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 I I do think there was some sympathy. I think some of that sympathy has been mitigated a little bit by the way the team handled it, in terms of not making the players available and then, uh, you know, the, the picking this ridiculous feud with the newspaper that ran the story and kicking people yeah. off of charter flights and all of this. Uh, you know, all that's done is it's make them less sympathetic and also drag the story on and on and on because the story can't go away because the, the, the senators find a new way to kick it back up to the front page every few days. But, you know, I, I, I do feel in a way it, it, it's, you know, it certainly hasn't been a positive first few months of the season, but I think it's been better than it could have. And, and I think that, you know, the, the long term, the team isn't embarrassing themselves. They've had some big wins. They've beaten some good teams. And they're doing it with the young players who are going to be the key pieces of, of whatever this team is going to be going forward. And I think if you can get past some of the sideshows that this team keeps throwing out there uh, and some of those distractions and, and just kind of look at the big picture, it, it actually it, 
you know, the season has not been a success, uh, but there's, there is some stuff here to build on and, and there is some reason for optimism. Yeah, for sure. But Mitch and I still like beating up on the Senators regardless. It just seems like there's always something to laugh about. Um, no, totally. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so actually, I want to ask you a question about The Athletic. Uh, both Mitch and I are really big fans. We pretty much are on it every single day. The articles are really, really, really well done, and the coverage is unbelievable. I want to ask, are you, I guess, surprised by how quickly the athletic blew up i mean how extensive the coverage is across north america and how far do you see the athletic going yeah i mean it's 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 been certainly impressive to to see it first as as just an outsider and a, and a reader uh and then as, as somebody who uh, got to be a part of it i mean i uh, i i told this story before i i was contacted by the athletic way back at the very beginning uh three years ago now or, or, or whatever it was. Uh, and, and they sort of said, Hey, we're starting this, this website and it's going to be behind a paywall. And then here's what we're thinking. And I sort of just brushed it off and thought, you know, geez, good luck with that guys. And uh, let me know, uh, you know, let me know how that works out for you. And, uh, I, I, I kind of wish I, I had jumped on board a little earlier because they, they've made it work and they've done something that a lot of people didn't think you could do, which is to, uh, create content, uh, that is that is good enough that people feel like it's worth paying for, even though it's the internet and everything is supposed to be free. Uh, it, you know, they, they, the just even before I joined the team, I had joined as a subscriber because there was just so much talent and so much good content being produced that you know to chip in five or six bucks a month or whatever it was. It, I mean, it was it was it felt like a no brainer to me. Uh, and uh, you know, I've heard the same from a lot of people. It's it's a it's great to be a part of that team. Uh, it's uh, it, it's it's great to uh, uh, you know you know in a way it, it feels a little bit about like being the fourth line winger on a on the nineteen seventy nine Canadians where you're, you're sort of surrounded <laughs> by all this all star talent and you're thinking, geez, I just my job is to go out there and not not embarrass myself too badly and uh, and and then learn as much as I can from everyone around me. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I've I've had a lot of positive feedback since I made the jump, lots of people telling me, Hey, I was already on board. Uh, other people telling me, you know, I wasn't sure, but I, I made the jump now. And there's still a few, few more out there that, uh, you know, maybe we got to do a little bit more to convince them and bring them on board. And, and hopefully we'll do that. But, uh, you know, I, I do think if you, you know, if you love sports writing and you feel like it's, 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 uh, something that has value uh, ultimately things that have value are worth paying a couple of bucks for and uh, you know I think they uh, the, the ask here is is pretty reasonable uh, and I know a lot of people are real happy uh, with the uh, with what they're getting for their money and uh, for, you know, for the rest of the the group that that maybe isn't there yet we're, we're going to keep working hard to change their minds and and uh, get them on board yeah yeah I couldn't agree more uh, so speaking about paying a few bucks for something of quality, uh, you have a book that's coming out, if I'm not mistaken, uh, The Down Goes Brown History of the NHL. I assume that's just a book of power rankings from every year in the NHL? <laughs> yeah, yeah, top <laughs> bottom five for, for 101 seasons. Yeah, no, the, uh, the, you're, you're right. This, the, the book is out, uh, as, as of right now, came out a couple weeks ago, The Down Goes Brown History of the NHL. And this is uh, my... Uh, 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 story of the league 
from start to finish. In fact, from from before the start, from before day one, back back when the NHL wasn't even a league and it was just a bunch of guys who were owning teams in a different league and decided that they were all sick of one guy and wanted to get rid of him, and so they started a new league uh, just uh, just so that the the one guy in the group nobody liked would leave them alone. And uh, you know, it's 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 a full century packed into uh, 300 pages, so uh, it's it's quite a ways to go, but. I, you know what what sets my book apart I hope is that uh, this is a a story of the full history of the league and it does cover everything cover, covers all the important stuff uh, you know all, all, the, all the championships all the records all the superstars all the tragedies uh, it's all in there but I've I've always been fascinated by kind of the weird and strange and and maybe ultimately inconsequential uh, stories uh, that, that that show up in the history, but uh, that that are entertaining nonetheless. And so I've made a point in the book of of every few pages, kind of stopping and and bringing one of those stories to the forefront. And I think if even if you're a diehard fan who who knows a lot of this stuff cold, I, I think you'll learn a lot. I think you'll find a lot of stuff in there that you've never heard of. Uh, you'll find maybe some stuff that you you have have kind of heard of, but you were never quite sure what the details were or whether it was even something that that really happened. Um, and I've had a lot of great feedback. I've really been enjoying talking to people who have read the book and saying, you know, here's, here's my favorite story, or here's the thing that I thought was crazy. Or I couldn't believe it when you know, I got to this page and you started talking about this. It's, it, it, people, people really seem to be enjoying it. And it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's been, that, that's what you want when you put a couple of years into, uh, into, uh, putting something like this out there. It's, it's great to, to finally have it be on the shelves and in people's hands and and get that feedback and and have those conversations with people who uh, are are kind of left scratching their heads at uh, some of the stories in the history of this league that maybe they had never heard before. That's so cool. Wow. Uh, A few years, I was actually going to ask, it sounds like you had to put a ton of research into this book. Where where did you get all these stories? Like, how did you go about getting them? You know, there there was a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, certainly I, 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 stood on the shoulders of some of the, the the people who've come before and written some great history books before and and those are are featured pretty prominently in the book as well uh as, as so uh, because uh there there's been a lot of great great work that was has been done over the years especially in, in recent years with the with the league having its centennial and 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 pushing a lot of that stuff forward there was a lot of stuff that was just kicking around in my own head uh from from years and years and years of being the sort of hockey fan who remembers this stuff uh and then a lot of diving in old newspapers were, were really the, uh, the, the a great source. And, and thankfully these days, uh, you know, you can go back, uh, you can, you can find this stuff on the internet. You don't have to go sit in a dusty room somewhere looking through microfilm. Um, but there, there was a, a lot of really just great stuff. And, and that, that sort of was, was fun in two ways for me because as a researcher, it was great to find the material but just as a as a sports fan and as a fan of sports writing, it was fascinating to you know read read a, an article from the 20s or the 40s or the 60s and sort of see what sports writing sounded like and, and how it's evolved over the years. So uh, th- there was a fair amount of work that did go into it, um, but uh, it was it was a lot of it was fun to do uh, just just as a fan to sort of dig in there and see uh, how the game was presented and, and how that's changed over the decades. 
That's awesome. Sean, thanks again uh, for taking the time. The Down Goes Brown History of the NHL is available now on Amazon. Five-star rating, humble brag. And you can catch his uh, <laughs> weekly column, uh, Down Goes Brown, on the Athletics uh, site. Thanks again for the time. Right on, guys. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Sean. What an awesome conversation. And uh, what a really well-spoken guy. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, when he... Uh... Uh, when he was bringing up at the end uh, kind of the research he was doing for his book and the old newspapers it, it reminded me of when we were both interns at the hockey news and uh, when one of our projects of course was to look back at the uh, archives at the archives yeah at, at some of the old hockey news issues Love and it. Um, scrolling or you know you know going through and just uh, reading some of the old uh, takes from back in the day and uh, I remember one going back to what like the 50s or something oh yeah it was it went far back and some of them you some of them you almost didn't want to to open just because they were uh, you know they were old and and you felt like you were gonna lose pages or something but I remember looking back one time and uh there, there was a there was a column on I think it was the New York Rangers or something, but the writer had compared one of the players to a woman driver in like a, a <laughs> negative sense, um, and uh, yeah, certainly something that wouldn't fly today. But kind of funny to look back at the NHL, uh, the NHL history books and and the sort of. Uh, writing that went on back then and certainly that's the kind of thing well, maybe maybe less so uh, shots at woman drivers but um some some looks back at the history books that you can find in in sean's new book yeah i don't want to find out how quickly we get shut down if we started making takes like that yeah that's brutal. but it was a different time mitchell it was, it was a, a different, different time, time. <laughs> it's a different time well speaking of different times the ottawa senators are a few months removed from trading their franchise defenseman but somehow found another one man this Shabbat is good eh oh yeah he's an absolute stud uh the only thing bad about him is his nickname which apparently they're calling him Hotsam Bacho because excuse me yeah Hotsam Bacho that's uh apparently uh anagram for his name I really really hope that Jay and Dan get on that nickname Z because they're always like Y's or S's you know like yeah. Chucky or Patches what 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 is it again Hotsam Bacho Hotson Bacho, yeah, yeah. The, it just doesn't have a, a good ring to it. No, no, it, it uh, definitely, uh, yeah, it's it's not one of the better NHL nicknames. But no. um, yeah, obviously, uh, Thomas Shabbat was a player that uh, I first kind of, and a lot of us first kind of got introduced to with that World Junior team, where he was just ridiculous, yeah. playing like half the game. And I, I was gonna say, I felt like he was playing thirty-five minutes. Oh, I think he was crazy. most of the time, especially. Uh, I think that was the year we lost in the the shootout to the states. Um, and he, he just like played a ridiculous amount in that final and just, to you know, he, it took him a year or so to, to get at that level in the NHL, but obviously he's, he's found it and that this has to make, as you said, Ottawa feel a little bit better about that, uh, about that Carlson trade, uh, obviously Carlson, he hasn't even scored so far, uh, in San Jose he is, uh, seven apples to his name. And meanwhile, DeMello, the player, one of the players they acquired, uh, has as many points as Carlson does and Chris Tierney, who has no relation because he's actually good at hockey. Um, he's already got 16 points. Uh, even that Rudolph Balsers guy uh, who apparently is real and not just uh, someone sends PR made up to make the trade sound better. Uh, he's uh, he, he's doing pretty well in the A. So, uh, yeah, it's, you know, at and least there's... And Maxime Lajoie, who is actually in the Calder conversation, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, well, he's it's, fourth it's about... in rookie scoring, nine points from a defenseman. I mean, it's a it's a pretty easy Calder conversation this year, but 
Um, uh, Peterson, best of the class, I guess. Yeah, but still. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, I think there's one thing that, uh, as Sean said earlier, Ottawa can be kind of happy about right now is is the young talent and uh, Thomas Shabbat. He's an uber good player. Uber good player. I see what you did there. That was good. They, I, he brought it up, but I, I just, I can't believe they went from dealing with it so well, releasing that statement, or the players releasing the statement, and it seemed like they were doing it with it internally, to banning the reporter from the the Ottawa <laughs> was it citizen from the charter yeah. plane. It's it's just uh, incredible how often they can get PR wrong. It like Borowitzki video with Melnick is an all time low, but I mean this is pretty close to it. To be fair, being a Senators PR member, like you have to be like that's gotta be one of the top ten like busiest jobs. Oh, you're you're a superstar, yeah. yeah. You're you're hustling around the clock. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I, oh, man, like not to pile on, but I keep seeing uh, I keep seeing on Twitter, and I, I I feel like it's you know obviously it's very early to be doing those draft lottery simulations and um and the odds on this even now aren't great but i keep seeing colorado or things where colorado are picking first and second and both picking uh jack hughes and uh, capo caco <laughs> both going to the avalanche uh, and this was all just an excuse to say capo caco again yeah great call great call <laughs> Uh, so why don't we go from Capo Caco, <laughs> the like <laughs> absurdly unknown player, to the Hall of Famers that were named this week? Uh, pretty, uh, I mean, some that were, it's kind of getting to the years now where these are players that we grew up watching. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 pretty surreal to see them uh, inducted to the Hall. Uh, for me, Marty Berdur is the one that resonates most. A because I'm a goalie, so I identify more with the the, the tendies, but also because I swear I can't count the amount of games I've been to in my lifetime where I went to go see the Devils with Broder and Net, and like you you walked into the building knowing it was going to be a shadow, and sure enough, it was like two nothing every time, or you know maybe two one for the for the Devils. So an absolute nightmare to go and see in the uh, in the Bell Center, but undeniably one of if not the best goaltender in the history of the nhl so awesome to see him uh induct into the hall of fame and maybe this means an end to those bizarre rent-a-car ads that you see on tv <laughs> with martin broder because if i see him in that fake beard one more time i'm gonna lose it oh, i gotta hope so uh this is this is one of those hall of fame classes where uh, like i don't really have a disagreement i think everyone in this class deserves to be inducted into the hall of fame even gary batman i know that's a controversial one um, but I, I really do think he does deserve a, a spot in yeah, the uh, Hall of Fame. I'm with you. Um, and I really loved his quote where he said, uh, tonight should erase any claim that the election to the Hall of Fame is a popularity contest. Yeah, it was great. He really he has played the villain card very well, and man, what a great joke. He came in locked and loaded. Uh, Gary's good for about uh, one of those like every couple of years, but <laughs> every once in a while catch last... you off guard with a zinger, but... I think the last time must have been we have a trade to announce. <laughs> yeah, I, there's there's definitely j- just for moments like that alone, you gotta um, add him into the into the Hall of Fame. So um, yeah, I think uh, like you said, I think Broder is probably the the main one for for me as well. One of my favorite goalies growing up, and um, obviously one of the the best ever. So, uh, but Marty Saint Louis too, what a player and. Uh, another player that uh, that I really liked and uh, kind of overcame the odds. Obviously, got bought out by uh, the Calgary Flames. Um, maybe maybe regretting that one. I don't know how many Hall of Famers have been bought out like like that. You know, midway through their career before they went on to 
to become superstars. Um, oh, but... I was going to say Thomas Plekanec, and then you ruined it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, um, Calgary's got a history with this kind of stuff. Uh, they cut Hall of Famer Paul Byron, so... Oh, um... <laughs> that was the other one I was going for. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, um, uh, just as I said, a, a Hall of Fame class that I don't think there's um, many issues with. No, no, definitely not. Not going to be in my healthy scratches this week. <laughs> Moving right on, healthy scratches. Uh, honestly, I don't really have them this week because I kind of touched on it already. It was mm-hmm. goalies taking the fall for you know a team's defensive deficiencies. I talked about it off the top of the podcast. I mean, it's happened to me since I've been playing hockey. You know, you get blamed for a loss even though the goals are unstoppable, and in the pressure cooker that is Montreal and the heap of pressure mounted on Price's shoulders with the $10.5 million contract. Every single goal he lets in is going to be scrutinized, even if it is an unstoppable set play by Jack Eichel. So that grinded my gears a bit this week, but I already got into it. So why don't you move on to yours? Yeah, mine's a very weird, healthy scratch. Uh, it's, a, it's a product I found on the internet. But expect uh, nothing less. Oh, absolutely. It's a product I found on the internet today in my uh, weird internet deep dives. It's it's a, a, an electric rat trap. Um, basically, it's this this black box that you put in your your house, and the 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 rats they climb into it, and they get electrocuted, and then you get a notification on your phone when <laughs> rats crawl <laughs> into it. <laughs> just, just seems like the most like pretty inhumane and like most hilariously <laughs> overcomplicated product I've ever seen. There's so many <laughs> There's so many great parts about that. The oh, first yeah. thing I'm picturing is it texts you and sends you a picture of the fried rat. <laughs> <laughs> also, man, are you telling me that after it zaps the rat, your house smells like burnt rat? Oh, probably. I didn't that's even think so... about that. It says it's like contained, and like that's that's part of the no, no, no. Part you of the can't thing is like the smell of burnt rat oh, flesh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like this is definitely not like a like from from the looks of the box, this is definitely not like a high class product. Like it's definitely like a repackaged toaster or something oh, like that. Oh my god! Um... Oh my god! Pretty soon we'll be seeing those lawyer ads. You know, if you or a loved one is been affected by mesothelioma or those electric rat things seen on Shark Tank, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, but still, uh, maybe not the worst idea for the Habs to play on their fourth line next time Marshan comes to town. Hey, Whoa. I see what you did there. I see what you did. <laughs> Dude, actually, that if if, if if we're talking about dumb products, the, I've been really, really, really heavy into Shark Tank the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. I've been crushing them off of Netflix. Yeah. And I think the stupidest product I've ever heard of, uh, I, I was arguing about this with my roommate, and for like three seconds he was maintaining it was a good idea. And then after I let out my like four arguments, he was like, oh, okay, yeah, it's stupid. It's uh, like Uber, no, not Uber. It's like uh, boxes that you get umbrellas out of. So it's it's like I I, I couldn't. It's just the dumbest what? thing ever. You basically when it's raining, you go to these boxes and pull out an umbrella for yeah. like a membership, and then you put the umbrella back when it's done. Like that's that's the idea. It's just like there's so <laughs> many things. Membership wrong. fee. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you pay. It's not not Uber because the umbrellas don't go to you. It's like a box where umbrellas are kept, and you have to go get the umbrellas when it's raining. 
So like the only places this would worth be worth doing is like downtown Toronto or, or like places like that where there's ways to get underground very easily anyway. I'll, I'll I'll solve this problem right now. You have to walk to the box in the rain. End of story. Yeah. <laughs> like there, there just killed the idea. Yeah. So, so like yeah, point made. It was uh, Kevin O'Leary ripped it to shreds. It was it was so so great. He called him a cockroach or something. I don't know. <laughs> that show. It okay. Him let's... With the electric thing. <laughs> yeah exactly alright man let's round out the episode let's do it Marvel heroes and villains I love the idea we are both huge superhero guys although actually that's not true mm. I'm a big superhero guy and you haven't seen the new Avengers movie yet so I, I have the jury's... I haven't oh, seen you, the second one I don't think wait did, no but did you see uh, Infinity Wars yeah, yeah of course oh, okay and you liked it yeah of course it was the greatest thing ever done in the history of mankind. Anyways, uh, we put together uh, a starting six, uh, our starting lineup for Marvel heroes and Marvel villains. Of course, the commissioner, hockey ops, GM, coach, everything is Stanley, as these are our little tribute to how he, I guess, entertained us for decades and decades. So thank you, Stan, and these are for you. So do you want to start? Well, Should very quickly, people are, are going to be able to tell uh, that maybe I don't know the the superheroes as well as you do, but I don't know. You, you want to you want to get a start? Okay, sure. I'll start us off with the, uh, with the heroes. So starting at center, Captain America. Very mm-hmm. easy choice because Captain's literally in his name. <laughs> there you uh, go. See him as like a Jean Beliveau, you know, a real leader, kind of a workhorse, uh, good at everything. So that's my starting center. Left wing, Spider Man. I see him as a Johnny Hockey, you know, young, undersized guys that play bigger than they actually are and probably only eat ham and cheese sandwiches. So that's my left wing. Right wing, we've got Wolverine from the X-Men. Uh, that's that's my, my comparable for that one is probably a nice Tom Wilson, you know, plays with like a real feral rage. Uh, <laughs> probably going to be suspended a whole lot, but, you know, very effective when he's on the ice with two skilled guys. Don't they literally uh, call Patrick Wolverine? <laughs> is it because he's so hairy like i don't know why they would call him I, I think he could, i think he just healed really quickly from a lot of major injuries thanks oh. to that's a good one okay well no tom wilson's my wolverine all right fine uh okay uh starting defense uh thor mm-hmm. i as like a shea weber kind of you know a big hunk defenseman tough to play in the corners but also with like the personality of a pk suban so pretty uh pretty tough to play against and uh my left defense is daredevil because i'd rather have a blind guy on the ice than carl lulz <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry carl if you're listening i'm so sorry okay and my starting goaltender the hulk very easy on this one i feel like he takes up the whole net and billy smith was a very effective goalie and i mean if Billy Smith can break guys' ankles with a stick. Imagine what the Hulk could do. So there you have it. That's my starting lineup for the Marvel Universe heroes. Mitch, who am I playing against? What if the Hulk, like, like what if he loses his anger midway through a game, though, and uh, then you just have... Don't forget, time. he's always angry. <laughs> there you go. I feel like we I feel like we should get paid for that. Um <laughs> Uh, so my starting lineup uh, at center, I've got Ultron. Uh, he's a computer boy, so we're going to mess you up with uh, some instant analytics. I love that. Um, the the left winger is Loki. Uh, good hockey pedigree. Comes from a great family. Obviously got a brother in the league. So um, Very shifty. He's getting oh, yeah. plex goals 
no question. Oh, for sure. Um, my my right wing is Venom. Although, like Alex Burrows, we got to convince him not to bite people during games. Um. <laughs> Uh, on defense, I have Sandman because I, I needed some grit for my squad, and uh, then I have Eric Killmonger. I uh, I, I couldn't really uh, find something as to why I have him on my team, but he's the best. So. His name is Killmonger. Like it's pretty intimidating. Yeah, it's like go. lining up against George Paros. You know, you just hear the name, you're like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, that's basically uh, why he's on my team. And then in, in goal, it's got to be Doctor Ock. Um, although with uh, some of these equipment uh, regulations, I'm not sure they're going to allow him to have like six blockers <laughs> and and four gloves. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll see. We'll, we'll we'll test the system on that one. I think there's going to have to be some uh, some changes made anyway if some of these guys are going <laughs> to play yeah. in the league. Yeah, they might uh, if they might fail the drug test or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the blood work like it's not going to come back. Good. <laughs> oh, for sure. I, I also think I, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure there's like a weight maximum for nhl no i'm pretty sure because again this is all alleged and i'm not a hundred percent sure but i'm pretty sure the late charles wang who was the owner of the new york islanders highly considered bringing in a sumo wrestler to play in goal yeah that's like every eight-year-old like why don't they just use sumo wrestlers to play the goalie i'm pretty sure and again, that could be wrong, but uh, I, I've heard this before that that was a consideration. And uh, the the way the NHL got out of it was uh, just literally saying if you're like if there's like a maximum weight. I'm not 100 percent sure that's true, but that's something that I have heard uh, so, before, so which my, would be hilarious. My, my two takeaways from this is first, the NHL is weightist. So we should probably start a trend right now. Mm-hmm. And second, I typed in NHL weight limit on Google, and the first thing that came up was a Reddit uh, page for why don't hockey teams use extra, extremely large men as goalies. <laughs> <laughs> so, and honestly, I think the first three results are the same thing. So uh, you're definitely in the right uh, vein of thinking. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So maybe Hawks instantly disqualified. Yeah, he would be, and uh, I feel like most of these heroes are pretty heavy, too. Iron Man would definitely be right out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so there you have it. That's our tribute to Stan Lee. I mean, I've seen all of the movies. I read the Spider-Man comics when I was a kid. My dad's even nerdier than me. He had thousands of comics, which he actually sold uh, a few years ago, which is probably – I don't know. I'd have to look into that, but I feel like after Stan Lee passed away that the value of his comics would go up, so – I'll have to rip him about that the next time I see him. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, I think that about wraps up the pod. Episode four in the books. I need to get out of this turtleneck. <laughs> no, it's a one-year turtleneck. It's like the oh, no. Jewish religion. You have to go into. Uh, <laughs> you have to go spend a full year in the turtleneck. Wait, how is that related? To... Oh well, in Judaism, when a family member passes away, you have to go to synagogue for a year. So in the Montreal Canadiens religion, when Thomas Blacanix leaves the team, you have to wear a turtleneck for a year. All right. Yeah, I probably enough. could have explained that a little better. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so excited for the turtleneck short com- combo in the summer. That's gonna be great. <laughs> it's a classic. It's a real staple of, uh, of summer wearing Kitchener. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>